0: Hello and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast in the Environmental Investigation Agency or EIA. For decades, our wildlife campaigners have worked to secure a future for wild tigers in the face of existential threats, which range from poachers and illegal trade to China's industrial scale tiger farms. EIA is also active behind the scenes, sharing intelligence with enforcement authorities around the world and seeking innovative new methods to help that enforcement become more effective. We're currently in the middle of one such project, which is to create a database of tiger stripe patterns to help identify individual animals, both in the wild and in illegal trade. We're carrying this out in partnership with, and the financial help of, the UK's prestigious Alan Turing Institute. I'm Paul Newman, EIA's Senior Press and Communications Officer, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Sean Buckley, a Data Scientist at the Turing Institute, to talk about the project. Sean, welcome and many thanks for your time. Hi Paul, thanks for having me. Uh, To to bring our listeners up to speed, um, get us started, would you tell us a bit about the Alan Turing Institute itself, its background and what it does?
1: Yeah, so um, the Alan Turing Institute, I believe it was established about five years ago. Um, It was established to address um, data science and the importance of data nowadays in the modern world. Um, It was also recommended by the government to adopt artificial intelligence into their remit, um, as that was obviously becoming a much bigger thing. Um, so they're essentially the institute in this country for data science and artificial intelligence uh, in order to solve the biggest problems that the world are facing, you know, so like sustainability, climate change, uh, I believe cybersecurity as well and things like that. Yeah, uh, They also uh, like to uh, collaborate with other universities. I think they started originally with uh, five of the top universities in the country and now they are oof, at least eight, maybe even more now. Um, so they like to work with uh, researchers and students from the universities and you know, provide funding for various projects and the like.
0: And, and what exactly this is the Tiger Stripe Pattern Database Project?
1: So uh, basically, um, this project is uh, in an effort to collect uh, the images of live tigers from camera traps and things like that. Uh, and also um, the images that are recovered by campaigners and um, uh, investigators uh, from the uh, seizure of dead tiger skins and carcasses and things like that. And the idea of this project is to create an AI tool um, that basically can take these images, uh, process them, and be able to output some sort of uh, prediction or um, result, uh, or a match, I should say, uh, between known tigers. Uh, Or rather, if they don't know, uh, then list it as a tiger that we haven't seen before, and then add it to the database.
0: I appreciate it. it's, it's probably a bit reductive, but I mean, I understand that tiger stripe patterns are as individual as human fingerprints. Um, so, so is effectively what you're doing, coming up with a piece of software that can actually look at bajillions of individual fingerprints, or in this <laughs> case, four thousand tigers, <laughs> well... um, and, and compare them and find out which one's which.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, in a, in a sense, yeah. Um, obviously, it's it's a. a much harder task in the sense that you know we don't have access to millions and billions of um, fingerprints uh, that you know that, that I'm sure uh, police forces and the like can get a hold of. Um, but also it's because uh, it, unlike things like fingerprints, where it's uh, directly read into a scanner, things like that, um, these are taken from camera trap images, are taken from um, photographers, professional and amateur um, investigators, just on things like a smartphone and things like that. So there's a great deal of uh, scope with regard to the angle the image can be taken from, the distance, the light saturation, uh, any potential uh, obstacles in the way or distortions. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, not, it's not reductive. It's, it's very similar, but it's a much more difficult problem.
0: It's basically more complicated from your point of view than from mine, because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been with us for a few months now, and um, I understand the focus of the project at this stage is to develop this artificial intelligence tool that will help identify individual Tiger Stripe pans. Um, before we get into that, could, could you give us a definition of what AI actually is in this context? I and mean, it's, it's a term that's banded about quite a bit these days um, with everything from people's concepts concept of, of AI creating artwork Based on scans of extant artwork, um, right up to uh, supercomputer hive minds controlling human <laughs> reality. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I, I'm sure the reality of it is, is somewhere in between there, a, a long way away from the science fiction end of it. So, yeah, would you tell us a bit about what you what what you think of as AI? Uh,
1: yeah. So, um, what one thing I'd like to get out there is that AI isn't inherently scary. Um, it's uh, also not inherently powerful. Um, AI. Gets its power obviously from um, you know very smart people uh, doing smart things designing good algorithms but uh, at its core AI is powered by data so if you have an awful lot of data there's a good chance that you can create a, a tool let's just say a tool um, that can perform a task that you give it and that's about as vague as you can get um, essentially uh, what what you're looking to do is you're looking to provide um, the machine the computer um, with data. And then you say, "I would like you to perform X and output Y," and at the end of a full run, it will say, "This is my prediction. This is my Y. What do you think?" And almost every time, you will initially say, "This is rubbish. It's completely wrong." Okay, so um, (laughs) that that that's how it begins. Um, It's it's, 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 uh, the way I like to put it as a metaphor is it's like teaching a baby to do something for the first time. So initially, you've got uh, it has no concept of pretty much anything. Um, uh, you know, so like a, a very, very young child, a young person. Um, and they need reinforcement from the parent uh, in order to uh, establish patterns and understanding of various things. And a lot, of they, a lot of the things they learn are through trial and error. Um, and I'm not going to say that machine learning uh, or AI is just trial and error, but a large part of it is it trying to understand the problem through doing. Um, and in the context of our um, our problem, Uh, This basically means uh, taking images, and this is a very uh, in-depth field at the moment, um, taking images uh, of uh, various um, different kinds of uh, classes. uh, We could could just use a typical example. Um, Imagine vehicles. So one class could be cars, another class could be trucks, another class could be boats. um, And you have a database of all these different kinds of images, all these different classes. And um, one of the most simple tasks you can get an AI to do is to classify all the images into whether it's a car or a boat or a truck or whatever. Um, And with this project, um, we're looking to do a similar thing, except the classes are actually all the individual tigers. So um, you're looking to get a tool that can learn the very, very fine differences between one tiger's stripe pattern to another tiger's stripe pattern. And the concept of this is taking data, passing it to it, getting it to attempt to predict. And once it you know, does badly, reinforce what it should be looking for, it will try again and again and again. And eventually, theoretically, it should be able to pick out the features that are important to distinguish between the tigers. That's essentially what AI is in this context.
0: And and without wanting to vanish down a rabbit hole, um, while we're talking technical terminology, um, you mentioned algorithms. Um, What exactly are algorithms in this context? Uh, Again, it's another one of those terms people throw around quite loosely Um, People talk about the Facebook algorithm reading way too much into what you are and what you're doing and what you're likely to do. But (laughs) is it the same sort of thing? Is it a piece of predictive um, coding? that
1: Um, Algorithm is more sort of a a a mathematical structure for processing data. So um, an algorithm will take certain input. It will perform um, certain mathematical operations on the input and it will produce an output. And, um, the idea tends to be that, um, you use the same calculations every time you use the algorithm. So, uh, it will always use the same, like, you know, maths and same, um, algebra and things like that. It's not like it, it changes constantly. The, the thing that changes, um, in, uh, an algorithm or rather what changes in AI is the weights and weights basically correspond to, um, how much you lean one way or the other, depending on what you've previously seen. So, um, it's, it's it's difficult to explain it, but um, but but basically, the if you if you kept the weight or the understanding, let's just call it the understanding, of, from the AI the same, and you passed data through the algorithm, the result will be the same every single time, yeah. you know, m- for the most part. Um, but uh, an algorithm is essentially just a sequence of steps, mathematical steps for processing data, and AIs make use of algorithms. In order to do all the different sort of scientific uh, transformations on the data and understanding. And the AI itself is the thing that changes.
0: Okay, so, so effectively, it, it's like tools of inquiry that the AI uses to arrive at its determinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Thank you. And, and what for you have, have been the main challenges in developing such an AI tool for this particular project?
1: Yeah, um, well, for this particular project, I'd say it's probably the lack of data, or rather, I should say, um, strongly labeled data. Um, we we have a qu- quite a, quite a good amount of live tiger images. Um, in terms of the uh, tiger skins, we also have a fair amount of those. Uh, far more live tiger images due to the camera traps and the um, the photographers. Um, but relatively speaking, we have a low um, proportion of tiger skins, and that's obviously the the thing we're trying to. Uh, to recognize more than anything else. Um, but there's also, uh, other issues. Uh, so, uh, this, the one of the reasons why the Turing Institute was so interested in this project is because, um, there isn't a great deal of prior work in this field. There have been attempts in the past to do things similar to this, but never with dead tigers, never with animal skins themselves, more with, uh, you know, walking about, uh, 3d, you know, yeah. live tigers, uh, or even carcasses. Um, but uh, d- despite that, that that doesn't mean that uh, it's an impossible problem. It's just uh, not really been attempted before. That makes it interesting. Uh, but it's also yeah. a challenge, obviously, because you have you have less to refer to. Um, and finally, the uh, the one of the key key uh, issues that I'm currently trying to sort of figure out is um, basically uh, there, there there's an inconsistency in the data in the sense that um, if you picture trying to liken a 3D object to a 2D object, the 2D object tends to be more simple. You know, it's flat and you can see everything and it's and everything is on the same level. Whereas a 3D object, you've got um, angles and you've got things that are sort of further away from the camera and things that are closer to the camera on the same thing. So like the tiger, um, you know, that some of the stripes may be stretched or shrunk depending on how it's sat or standing and all that sort of thing. Um, and the, the, the issue is trying to um, process the data so that um, it's a consistent structure going into the algorithm. Yeah. So um, uh, basically, uh, there's a tool called Extract Compare that the uh, the Wildlife Institute in India um, have already using called Extract Compare. Basically, it's, uh, it, it 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 wraps around the um, live tigers um, to be able to extract and flatten their stripe pattern. Um, Now, but this is quite a manual process. So I've been looking at um, possible alternatives, whether it be automating extract compare or using a similar algorithm uh, in order to prepare our data for use in the AI. The main main problem, in my opinion, is getting the data in as clean and as as strong a state as possible so that when we train the AI, um, future researchers, people who want to use this tool don't have to worry about having their own data being clean. Because yeah. that's that's you know, it's a complicated thing to work with. They they want to just be able to upload, click scan, and get some results.
0: Without having to go through an enormous rigmarole to get the final image sorted out such a way yes. that it can understand what it's looking at. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when it's actually up and running, what what'll be the practical value of, of this Stripes database?
1: Okay. Um so the idea is that on full completion, um, The user, like like I just said, the the user should be able to submit an image with no prior processing. And um, the application of it will be that it will confidently be able to answer whether the tag has been seen before um, and if it hasn't been seen before. um, And then obviously, if it has been seen before, whether it matches to any of the images in the database. Uh, So if it hasn't been seen before, the image will be added to the database. If it has been seen before, it will also be added to the database, but they'll also be giving a prediction on um, which tigers it matches. Uh, now, the idea of this is that if you know uh, that this tiger has been seen before, uh, and, if, and let, let's just say in this instance, this is a tiger skin that we've uploaded, um, and it matches some live tiger images, if, if it was previously unknown that this tiger had been killed or poached or trafficked, then this gives investigators um, the heads up, that the knowledge that they, don't, they shouldn't be looking for the tiger anymore. The tiger has you know, unfortunately been killed. Uh, but this would also allow them to be able to figure out when was it last seen, where did it end up, and that means they have a window for when it was trafficked, uh, the routes that it took. So if it went from, say, India to Thailand, uh, they know that it would have to be traff- trafficked across those borders. Um, so the idea is it should help with tracking the tigers, getting on top of the the poachers and the traffickers and how they are moving the, ti- the tiger skins around, and hopefully be able to get ahead of it.
0: And I, I presume as well as... Um identifying tigers that were once in the wild and have now been seized as skins somewhere. The same um, process applies to tigers that have been held in captive facilities in in Asia and China, yes. um, where where we can say, well, okay, that one was registered from a photograph by visitors two years ago, and yet here's the skin showing up in the marketplace. So clearly these places aren't necessarily the conservation um hubs they, they they present themselves as sometimes
1: yes exactly and this this would be uh in an effort to obviously combat corruption um and illegal trading as well uh, so it's not necessarily just with um butchered tigers but you know with live tigers as well any 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 sort of movement that is unnatural or rather if there's any uh lack of sighting for a while and then um something is submitted and it's tracked so then that gets people um the heads up to know what's going on with these individual tigers
0: excellent and do you anticipate there will be any other practical applications for the technology that you're helping to develop for this project uh, beyond looking for tigers i certainly hope so
1: um <laughs> <laughs>
0: as always uh all it's much good work good. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah so uh, it's, got, it's got some really interesting uh, implications actually um there's, there's there's plenty of other um animals for example um that have distinctive um markings so um, Zebras are, uh, you know, very, very similar sort of problem. Um, but I believe that um, uh, animals such as whales, uh, other uh, aquarian animals, um, they can have distinctive markings as well. And the idea is that this tool, you couldn't just... Uh, upload an image of, um, I, d- I don't know, uh, uh, a zebra or, or a whale or anything like that to this tool and then get a match uh, because it wouldn't be linked to the right database and it wouldn't have been trained on this data. Um, and one thing about AI is uh, if it's never seen a certain kind of data before, it's unlikely to be able to understand it very well. Um, yeah. So, But the idea is that the when the technology itself is developed, it won't really matter whether or not it's a tiger or if it's a whale, or if it's uh, you know a house cat, or if it's a dog or whatever, uh, it, it, sh- it should be able to be trained on new data. So if, if we had another data set uh, for, I'm just going to stick with whales here. If we had another data set with whales, um, with thousands of whale images, and we know the identity of a lot of them, um, and we can run all the training that we're going to be doing with this on tigers again, then theoretically, we should be able to apply exactly the same principles and get the same sort of output, and therefore practical application with other animals as we do with tigers. So whilst we're starting with tigers, uh, provided the tool is fully completed, uh, we should be able to use it for more than just that.
0: Fantastic work. Uh, and finally, um, what for you has been the most enjoyable aspect of working on the Stripe pattern database project? Uh,
1: frankly, um, it's working with the people at EIA um it, everyone's so dedicated That's the and, I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not just saying it, i'm not just saying it it's been a, a total total pleasure um but if, if we're going to talk about um uh, specifically me um i suppose it would be getting to apply my technical skills to a, a, a true uh, and real meaningful project um i applied for this um project specifically because it was you know uh, for conservation purposes uh, and after looking into EIA, it seemed like I could potentially do some good with some people who really want to do some good. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm just grateful for the opportunity to potentially help with conservation of wildlife. Um, and with my work previously, I've not got to uh, work on anything else that has a practical application in this sort of context um so that's the thing i've enjoyed the most
0: oh fantastic uh well best of luck with the project and uh here's, maybe you'll come back and um when it's nearing completion and give us an idea as how it's going and what's next yeah absolutely excellent stuff well sean thank you very much for joining us today it's been a pleasure to chat to you and um thanks for taking the patience to um ex- explain more technical stuff to the technically illiterate like myself <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and do check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thanks for joining us and wherever you are, stay safe out there.